In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, being that it is Thanksgiving Eve, I'm tempted to make a Thanksgiving connection to our gospel text that we heard from St. John. But the only thing I can seem to link together with this reading and this holiday is food. The difference between the two, though, being that the crowd following Jesus had already had their Thanksgiving meals. But they didn't fill their bellies with turkey and stuffing, but this time with loaves and with fishes. And it wasn't 15 or 20 members of the family around a table together. It was 5,000. 5,000 people made up of some families, but also strangers. And the only food they can find was these five barley loaves and two fish, which didn't really look like enough for anyone. But the miracle was that it was enough, which is usually how food is. After everyone ate their fill and loosened their belts by a notch or two, Jesus left that place, needing some space to rest and to recharge. But that really didn't last very long because that crowd followed him and sought him out. Because that's what we do with people who feed us, isn't it? We do everything we can to stay with them in the hope that they'll feed us again. If you have a dog, you probably know what I'm talking about. If I give our dog Sophie a treat, she'll follow me all around the house, just waiting and hoping that there will be more to come. The thing is, Jesus could see right through that crowd and their intentions. You aren't looking for me because of the miracle that just happened with the loaves and the fishes, he says. You're looking for me because you ate to your heart's delight, but now your stomachs have started to growl again. Like my dog Sophie, they're looking for just another tasty treat from an outstretched hand. But Jesus knows that the, it isn't the hole in their stomachs that they are actually trying to fill, but it's actually the hole that's in their hearts. And if we're honest with ourselves, we are not really that much different than this crowd. In America, we tend to fill up this hole with all kinds of unhealthy things, mostly that all American cure-all that we have of busyness and being busy all the time. Jesus named what he saw. To the crowd, he proclaims, do not work for the food that you eat and digest. That's not going to cut it. Instead, work for the food that endures, food that is everlasting. Food that, like a needle and a thread, can stitch up that hole in your heart. Jesus says it's the Son of Man who will actually give them this food. He knows he's the son of man, but he holds his cards close, hoping that they'll figure it out for themselves. But as if they stopped listening halfway through and completely missed the part where Jesus said that this everlasting food will be given to them, the crowd still thinks it's about them and what they can and must accomplish. So naturally, they're quick to respond. What must we do? How do we perform these works to attain this everlasting food? 
do, 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 perform, perform, perform. Maybe they were addicted to being busy also. That crowd just didn't get it. That Jesus isn't talking about something they do, but something that is given to them. So Jesus gives it another shot, trying to be a little clearer this time. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. But we should be cautious here as well. Because the temptation is there to turn belief into just another work, another thing to do. We think belief is something we have to have enough of, and we cling to it. When in fact the word believe might be better translated as to entrust. And to entrust is to give over or to let go of something. This is the work of God, that you entrust yourself to the one whom God has sent. That's different. But it's still not good enough for the crowd. Perhaps because they're starting to get hungry again. The crowd seems to get restless and irritable. And they start to turn on Jesus. So what are you going to do then, they challenge. You say all we have to do is believe. So what sign are you going to give us so that we can believe? What I love is that nothing has changed in 2,000 years. Like this crowd, we still demand signs from God. We hold our faith hostage until we get it. Think about the questions we ask ourselves. Why should we believe when we can't see God? Why doesn't God come down and show God's self to us so that we can know and believe? Sound familiar? The crowd said to Jesus, what sign are you going to give us so we may see it and believe? Tensions start to squeeze tight as the crowd turns up the heat on Jesus. And they start to invoke the name of the most important figure they know. Moses gave our ancestors manna, the bread from heaven when they wandered in the wilderness. What are you going to do for us? Jesus says it really wasn't Moses, it was God who gave that food. And the crowd snaps back, so give us this bread. And finally, Jesus says, I am this bread. I am the bread of life. You want your sign? Here I am. It's at this climatic moment from our text that ends tonight, but we really can't stop reading there. If we continue on past this, we discover that Jesus began to talk about his body as food and his blood as drink what we know as the Holy Eucharist. Jesus says to this crowd, my flesh is true blood and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. What a strange thing to say. But if we can get past what our human senses try to tell us, we might just be able to hear what Jesus is actually saying. 
Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. I am one with God. If you take my body and my blood and you eat it, you take me into your own body and I will abide in you. Suddenly, the bread of life, Jesus, who is one with God, is inside us. There's an exchange going on between Christ and we who eat of Christ's body. That life of God in Jesus becomes our life as well. This crowd wanted more food, and instead, Jesus gave them himself. And in giving himself as the bread from heaven, Jesus also gives them the life of God, which is not food that is eaten and digested, leaving one hungry once again, but is food that actually endures. If we can understand that God is in Jesus and through taking and eating of Jesus's body and blood in Holy Communion, Jesus is in us, then suddenly we might not be asking, where is God? Show me a sign. But instead, where isn't God? Because God is in you, in you, in you. So as we depart from here tonight, bearers of the life of God, go out into your homes and Thanksgiving celebrations. On this Thanksgiving, I don't really want to tell you to be more thankful for the things you already have in your life. The news tell us to do that. And by no means can I claim to know your life or how this past year has been for you. But I do know my life. And what I want to say is how thankful I am for you. When I can't seem to see God and I want a sign, like it was for that crowd, that sign usually ends up being right in front of me. And the ways I see you care for one another through life events, suffering through pain together and celebrating the joys of life, and the way you seek to give of yourselves for the sake of others. When I can't seem to see God and I want a sign, that sign, that bread of life, usually ends up being right in front of me. And that helps me to believe again and again and again.